Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. In this episode, we bring you one of Australia's best arm wrestlers, Ryan Blue Bowen. The Daily Combat Podcast is brought to you as always by Olympic hopeful turned boxer and all-round sporting polymath, Isabella Rossitano, arm wrestling influencer, Hollywood Matt Connolly, and combat sports ring announcer, Dave Stockbridge. This episode would not be possible without the support of our sponsors, and this week we would like to highlight Ryan Bowen's personal brand, Pound for Pound Arm Wrestling. Now, Ryan has both a YouTube channel and a website with the Pound for Pound Arm Wrestling brand. On the website, you'll find all kinds of arm wrestling merchandise, including apparel, accessories, handles, coaching, and seminars. The Pound for Pound t-shirts are next level comfortable, and speaking from personal experience, we absolutely love t-shirts in the arm wrestling community. If you're ever watching an arm wrestling match on YouTube, you'll more than likely see somebody wearing a Pound for Pound t-shirt. On the YouTube channel, you'll find Ryan giving a highly personal, intuitive, and detailed account of the current arm wrestling world. This truly is a man who wears his heart on his sleeve, and he is as real as it gets. His passion for the sport and his determination to become a world champion are inspirational. Also, his ability to build a brand around an underground sport like arm wrestling via YouTube and social media is just incredible. So please welcome the man himself, Ryan Blue Bowen. Well, welcome to another episode of the Daily Combat Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stockbridge, and joining me today is former Olympic hopeful turned boxer, Izzy Rossitano. Yo, what's up? What's up? <laughs> Arm wrestling sensation, Roman Rockwell. Howdy. And Matthew Hollywood Connolly, arm wrestling influencer extraordinaire. And joining us today is, well, none other than Ryan Blue Bowen. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, team, it's good to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Always a pleasure to do this sort of thing. I, I'm always, always grateful for people in this sort of space in the sporting world. So happy to be here. Very happy to be here. So Ryan, um, you're 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 an arm wrestling champion. Uh, you've uh, you're arguably one of the most influential people in the world in the sport today. And I really want to get into how that came to be. Um, but no doubt you're Australia's number one arm wrestling influencer. It's a real niche sport and a, and a, and a niche combat sport um, within all of the niches of combat sports. Um, so tell us, what's your first living memory of arm wrestling? Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you for mentioning all those different things. Uh, the, the sport, uh, being an influencer in the sport, it, it's 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 a it's a hell of a privilege to just even be in this in this place. And when I think back to my first living memory of arm wrestling, it's probably being like I don't know five years old. It's I, I wanted to beat my dad in an arm wrestle from as early as I can remember. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't. I wasn't able to do it at five, but I grew up. By the age up, of seven, you were fine. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up arm wrestling um, everyone at school. Uh, I loved it. I would I would constantly be hassling kids in the year kids above me to arm wrestle me and um, nothing changed as I went through my teenage years and all sort of stuff and I actually had a bet with my dad when I was 12 years old I said dad on my 18th birthday 50 bucks um, on an arm wrestle and he's like yep <laughs> on okay <laughs> young lion old lion <laughs> yeah six months leading up to my birthday I, I at this stage I had no idea professional arm wrestling was even a thing <laughs> um so I was, I, I used to have a bench press uh, out in the shed that had on the end of the bench press, one of those leg extension kind mm -hmm. of yep. add-ons. 
They're, they're used- 120 dollars from Big W. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to put my elbow down on the end of that bench and, and pull up the leg extension and sit there and just go direct side pressure. Wow, the, nice. The leg extension. So that was that was my childhood. Turns out my dad absolutely kicked my ass on my. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, no training whatsoever, uh, I'm guessing. <laughs> He's got those thick hand and wrists on him. He's been a farmer all his life. Oh, He's yeah. just got that old man strength. Yeah. And and so you you, said you you didn't even realize it was a sport at that stage? No, I had no idea that there was any sort of professional uh, side to, to arm wrestling at all. Um, for me, at that point in time, it was just bragging rights in the schoolyard. And I... When I became an adult, I went and joined the army, and it was the same thing there for me. I used to arm wrestle everyone in my platoon and in battalion, and was 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 the guy to beat and comfortably <laughs> nice. held that comfortably held that rank. And this was all without knowing anything. And then, yeah, how did you develop a technique? Uh, did you have a technique, or what, what, what was, did you I know what you were doing? Me arm wrestling from when I was a kid, because I would, I would love to know. I'd love to look <laughs> at it. And go, oh my goodness, look how terrible I was back then. Yep. But obviously, I had some sort of genetic disposition towards arm wrestling because I was I was essentially uh, among my social networks in school and work. No one ever beat me, um, really. But uh, oh, sorry, I lie. I lie right there. I got there's somebody watching. Who's going? Hang on. Oh, I'm not beating him in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> I came back from school one day. You know, I think it was in year 11, and. Um, my mum, when I'd get home from school, would always ask me how my day was. And, I, and this afternoon, when she asked me that question, I came in and said, Mum, I've had the worst day I've ever had in my life. Oh. You know, my mum's thinking something terrible's happening at school. You're being bullied. Or- and <laughs> I said, said what would happen? I said, I dropped my first ever catch in cricket uh-huh. and I lost first ever arm wrestle. <laughs> this is crazy. That happened to me too. It was year 11 or year 12. One guy beat me for the first time. I was the same. It's crazy to hear this because you're Australia's best arm wrestler. <laughs> so and maybe there's hope parallel. for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was on the same day. I remember day, the same day. Yeah, no, I remember that the day. The same guy beat both of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that day really did knock me around. I just couldn't believe it. I thought I was going to go through school totally undefeated. And, and, <laughs> yeah. This damn, damn new kid. And the thing was that made it even worse was he was six months younger than me. Hmm. He was six, six months, months is everything when you're 11. Yeah. Yeah. I, remember his, I remember his name, Jimmy Coleman. I, I Jimmy Col- <laughs> no way, that was the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Transfer you need the rematch, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> what if he still beat you? I would just <laughs> <laughs> hasn't been training, nothing, nothing just turns up. Yeah. <laughs> but how I discovered it as a professional thing was when um when I owned a retail supplement store uh, after I got out of the army in 2011. And um, it was my my wholesale resupply, resupplier um, challenged me to an arm wrestle one day. Just want to have an arm wrestle? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? This dude just beat me in an arm wrestle. It doesn't happen out of the hmm. blue like that to me. Hmm. And uh, he was a, a former national champion kickboxer. Um, so he had, he just had combat in his blood and, and he had hands and wrists on him that were really conditioned and, and he beat me. And I said to him when he left, I said, when you come back next month, I'm going to kick your ass <laughs> and I'm never going to, and I'm never going to lose to you again. Is what I said. <laughs> he just laughed as he left. And, and I immediately, <laughs> like three seconds after he left the, the room, I was on the internet researching arm wrestling technique. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole. Nice. Arm wrestling, and that there was an Australian arm wrestling federation at the time, and I'm like, hang on, they, they do national championships and stuff. <laughs> oh my goodness, I mean, 
Yeah. So that was it. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. That's awesome. And uh, so you, you, so through your your military life, uh, it was just a it was just a passion. It was sort of like just something that was had formed part of your identity from when you were at school. You kind of associated yourself already as you know, it, if maybe not gender specific, you were definitely arm wrestler, if we can call it that. And uh, you, so you get through your military career, and you're kind of you're doing this supplement thing, and then arm wrestling that starts to open up for you more and and more. Is that how it started yeah, to progress? Yeah. The, the the other side of the story behind my motivation in arm wrestling was that before I joined the military, I was trying to become a tennis professional. Hmm. And I got very clo- I got very close as a as a teenager. Um, if, as I was finishing up high school, I was I was ranked in the top ten in the country, um, and and I, and I was my coaches were telling me, "Look, you're right there. You, you just just keep pushing forward. You'll become a, a legit tennis pro." But I didn't have the mental maturity and self-confidence in myself to actually uh, push forward. And, and I thought, no, I can't, I don't think I'm going to make it. And mm. unless you were in the top 100 in the world in the professional ranks, you were going to be uh, not making, not making money. And I just thought, no, I'm going to go and get a job. So I went and joined the army. But when I then discovered the arm wrestling, um, that it was a professional thing, mm. there was a couple of unique things that put, that stood out to me. And one of them was that the, I observed that the average age of the, of a world champion was, realistically about 40 years old hmm. particularly North American greats that was um so at the time I was 20 28 and hmm. I thought she was I haven't missed the boat so yeah. um, that was really one of the big reasons why I went in all in but uh it for me was a second chance to become a professional athlete I, I got close in tennis but missed it um and then I was like okay uh, I'm gonna do <laughs> I'm gonna do it in arm wrestling now and nice. I decided then that I wanted to make it a career and um and I recognized there was no decent prize money in the sport. So I thought, well, I've got to build a brand and a company that can fund this. And I, and, I, and my goal from then was to turn arm wrestling into a career. And it took a while, but we got there. So a lot nice. of young arm wrestlers, particularly Australian arm wrestlers, when they start that journey of discovering uh, arm wrestling, uh, they come across you. Uh, who was it that you came across in those early years of discovering uh, arm wrestling yeah, on very, YouTube? The very first day I researched arm wrestling, um, I remember thinking that um, Dennis Saplankov was the king of the world. And then it was about, about a week later that dad messaged me and said, Ryan, have you seen this guy, John Brzezank yet? <laughs> he even beats Dennis. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Nobody yeah, beats so Dennis. For me, it was, it was Dennis and John were the two that uh, I was most fascinated with in the early, early days. Uh, it didn't take long to discover Devon and, um, and uh, those other sort of guys as well. But, but yeah, it was straight to the top of the, I mean, there wasn't actually that much on YouTube back then. There wasn't mm. a lot of resources. It was all old Nimeroff footage and things like that. And Armour's footage um, was probably a big one. And in fact, Neil Pickup was really inf- influential for me in the early parts of it. Uh, I straight away saw that Armour's was, and I perceived Armour's to be the place to go mm. to become a professional arm wrestler. And so I, I, I reached out and messaged and uh, got in contact with Neil Pickup and said, hey, um, this is me. This is what I want to do. I want to make this a career. How do I get on Arm Wars? And Neil, having never spoken to me ever, said, oh, look, I need to know that you're a, a decent arm wrestler. I need to know you bring character. I need to know that you bring excitement to the table. Send me your highlights reel and we'll, I'll consider it. And so the next six months, I traveled around Australia 
hunting people to put in a damn highlights reel. That's awesome. Uh, nice. I got a pretty sick highlight reel at the time. And there was one guy that had been, one Australian had already been on Arm Wars at that stage, a gentleman named Rick Kamana from the from WA. And I was like, well, hell, if Rick can make it to Arm Wars, I'm hunting Rick. I'm going to go show Neil pickup that I can crush Rick Kamana yep. and then I'll get my ticket. And so I did that. I flew over to WA and Rick Kamana, I think, knew I was hunting him. He hit <laughs> I think he thought he hit. Measure. <laughs> and um, I went over there weighing like 83, 84 kilos. And I, I was just going to go in whatever weight category Rick was in. He was about 90 kilos. And uh, I, I'm, we're signing up at the registration point and I sign up for 95. And Rick says to me, just as he's about to sign up, he's like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to go and pull the heavies because I just want to make sure I've got a challenge today. And I'm just like, I look at him and he, so he signs up to the, to the heavies. I'm like, oh, screw it. I'm going, I canceled my 95. I'm in the heavies now. <laughs> yeah. and, and lo and behold, first round, Ryan Bell and Rick Kamada. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. there we go. <laughs> it was perfect. Cracked <laughs> his wrist back, absolutely crushed him. And the celebration was pretty intense. And we got it all for the highlights reel. So. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. So for those at the uninitiated, uh, Arm Wars, tell us more about Arm Wars. What was Arm Wars then? And, and, and what's yeah. the been the progression since then was absolutely the best platform for the sport in terms of reaching a global audience they were at the time broadcast on Eurosports, um which was a uh, part of a pay television network and it was uh annual viewership was in the in the tens of millions um, mm. well, hundreds of millions for annual wow. viewership yeah and they really really were uh impressive and neil pick up what he did for athletes he 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 gave them the opportunity, the spotlight, the cameras were professional standard, the audio is professional standard. Neil commentated the matches himself. So as you guys know, he's, I mean, he's the best commentator in the sport by a long way. Mm. Um, what, where the athletes got the opportunity to make a career of it was he allowed the athletes to, um, to on-sell the space on their uniform and in their corner man to yep. a third-party sponsor. And Neil, there hadn't been a lot of people that have been able to do that very well. Jeff Hale had done that somewhat successfully, probably the, the most successfully out of everyone. But I, I had my arm was match, and it was it was red line amazing. This mm -hmm. match is awesome. And um, Neil said to me at the end of that match, he said, "Ryan, that was brilliant. You can be on any arm wars card you want." Hmm. And I was yeah. like, okay. So I went back to Australia. I I I, I looked up. Um, sports management agencies of NRL athletes and things like that. And I, I, I put the sales pitch to them. I said, here, I've just got a, a, uh, I've just been told that I can be on up to six arm wars events per year. It's on Eurosports. Here's the viewership. Uh, I want to, I want to, I want to get us, I want to sell. I want you guys to manage that and uh, get me a sponsor to make this a career. And, you know, it got so close. I had a deal with a, with a, with an agency um, and they were signing me up for uh, 15 grand Australian per event uh, wow. to, have, wow. to have that. That's serious. I don't, much, I don't know what percentage that was for me and for them, but it was 15 grand coming to me. And I'm just oh. like, oh my God. Okay. That wow. That's so, incredible. That's, yeah. It's a year that would have been phenomenal. Um, and what happened is uh, uh, the um, was lost its contract with Eurosports before yeah. we got that lined up yeah. oh. and the emergence of WAL and um, everything like that was on the on, on the cards as coming so Neil shelved that um, jumped off Eurosports and uh, went from there but that was like that was the beginning of it for me so so you'd had uh, a taste by that stage and you thought there's a chance I can go pro I can make a living out of this well yeah for, for me I, I, I'm someone who really doesn't 
I don't, I don't, I don't need there to be a, a pathway shown for me. I'll, I'll find the path and make it. I'm pretty relentless. So if there's something that I want to pursue, I'll just keep going and, and we'll get there. And it doesn't, I don't mind taking a loss, whether it's in a business sense or in an arm wrestling sense, it doesn't bother me at all. Let's rack up the losses as quick as I can, I reckon. And I improve a lot, a lot from that. So for me, yeah, that, that was, that was very close to a home run in my first attempt at becoming a professional arm wrestler. Mm. Um, when that fell over, it was like, okay, that's cool. I'll go back to just doing what I'm doing. Just keep training, keep documenting everything I did. And I started at a series from nobody to champ on my, my uh, YouTube channel, which if you go back and look at now, I look like a 12 year old boy. In those videos. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you already had this concept of documenting. So you understood that was a, a foundation stone to content creation. Were, were you conscious of what that content creation would do for you over time? Um, I, I was very, I think I have a good ability to envision the future. I'm very optimistic. And I and I did envision it being a full-time job, a, a career. I envisioned myself as a world champion. I envisioned myself really uh, crushing it in that, that space. And um, that's one of, the, one of the things about me that I think it, it pisses a lot of people off, rubs, the people, rubs a lot of people the, long way, uh, the wrong way. Yeah. But I, I do have an unwavering confidence that I'll get there. And I'm very patient as well. It doesn't bother me. Like for me, I, I love doing this so much that it, I'm just not going to stop. And for the first four and a half years, for instance, I made thirty-four dollars and fifty cents in the <laughs> first four and a half years on YouTube. Um, and yet, I know I released just as many videos then as I do now. <laughs> as I do now. Uh, and, I, and that for me is like a good example and the proof of how I was never going to stop. I was just I used to do it during my recreation time, and um, and so I, I I did have the vision that it was going to get there. I I I, I watched a lot of a uh, guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. It was mm. Gary Vaynerchuk that oh, yeah. I used. Gary V. Gary V. <laughs> I watched the way Gary V spoke about his business and I thought, and I just, I really just took his principles of what he does for his brand and applied it to, to my own and mm. it worked a treat and it was a hell of a lot of fun. And I actually love that I can go back to my videos in 2013 and and then and then tick off all the things that I say I wanted to do in those those videos, and it's pretty cool to see it. Yeah. yeah. So do 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 you remember that tipping point that 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 moment when all of a sudden it was there was a breakthrough? Uh, mm. I don't know if it was a video or 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 a, or a particular event or something where it was like, oh, okay, the world's now paying attention. The people yeah, there, people are watching. Um, there's been a few of those moments, like um, definitely like one viral video can change change business overnight um it seems if you if you well postured to take advantage of it and um i've never had what i would what i really deem as like a, a viral video but i've had significant moments where it's significantly changed the audience and the first first of those moments was when i came up with a series called the breakdown um prior to the breakdown all i had, had done was uh vlogging of my own journey in arm wrestling and and my average video view was getting about 80 views at that point in time um so really nothing um in a, in a sense of money making but then i started doing the breakdown and one of the components of the sport for me that i love is just analyzing the technical aspects of the sport i i came into the sport knowing that it's a combat sport and a strength sport combined so just being strong is not enough you've got to be you've got to be better than your opponent in your execution so i really went all in on that i thought well i'm not the strongest guy naturally out here i'm not i'm not looking like hulk hogan as a kid or something so um so i'm i'm gonna have to be good at the combat side of things as well and i really study that combat side of things 
And then I started saying, well, hang on a second. He's a, why, why don't I just commentate matches that I love to watch and tell people mm. what I see? Offer your insights. Yeah. And so I started doing that. And that was probably my first viral video in the sense of numbers. I had a video, uh, I think if I look it up now, it's, it's Devin Larratt against Oleg Zok. I commentate that match at the mm-hmm. at a UAL event. Yep. I think it's been at about two and a half million views now, but it it went pretty big, pretty quick. And, I, and that was one of those chapters where all of a sudden I had people watching my channel for the breakdown. Uh, so I started pumping those out pretty regularly. And, um, and yeah, that was a big chapter. That led to me thinking about, well, oh, maybe I should create my own, create my own business that provides um, matches and, and, and creates the content itself so I don't have to use the PAL's matches or the WAL's matches. I can actually host the matches as well. So that led to that. Um, but there's always been kind of two avenues. There's always been myself as an arm wrestler and myself as a, as a commentator slash business owner uh, in the arm wrestling space. So um, that was a big chapter. But I think probably the biggest chapter was the day I met. That was probably the biggest chapter. In terms yeah. of- so tell it because I, I think I'm following you at this stage and then you end up on John Brzezink's Lounge. So, for, for the- <laughs> that was you. Oh, <laughs> was we heard this story last, last week. week. Yeah, Do tell it. us more. Yeah, okay, quite so, interesting. So, for for the audience, for the uninitiated, perhaps you can share with us uh, who John Brzezink is, and then lead into uh, your blossoming relationship with the great man. Yeah, sure. Yeah, John Brzezink. <laughs> if you if you don't know who John Brzezink is, um, you're obviously very new to arm wrestling. Mm. Uh, like. Day, day two at, at worst. <laughs> I, don't think you, I don't think it takes long to discover that man's name, but um, John Brzezink is undisputably the greatest time wrestler of all time. He was, he's, he's won world titles spanning five decades. Hmm. Um, that, that in itself right there, that I think statistically he's the most dominant athlete in the history of sport. Um, I don't know if there's an, another athlete, a world champion out there that's done five decades of world titles. Yeah, you don't um, see that yeah. in tennis. <laughs> really is, it really is quite phenomenal. And um, what 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 else made it amazing about John was the fact that John did it at a weight class where he was like 90 to 95 kilos and he was crushing the super heavyweights. Um, uh, there's no there's there, there's no super heavyweight great in the history of the sport that John doesn't have a win on. Um, and, 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 he, and he retired defeating Devin Larratt in 2015 to do it one more time kind of thing. So... Hmm. And, and, and then John's still thinking about coming back at the moment. But <laughs> he so is coming back, isn't he? He's got a match yeah, schedule. He's got a match. Yeah. <laughs> Just amazing. And, and how old is he now? Uh, nearly I think 16. John is 86, 80, I think. 87. Yeah. So you're joking. <laughs> no, he's not. All oh, right. I was going to say, I was not imagining this guy being like <laughs> nearly 90. He's not. He's probably still winning at 90. Uh, what, how old is he? 50? <laughs> if I say spanning five decades, that's, that's mathematically making it look good. He was in his. In his teens, in his 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, he's won world titles. Hmm. So uh, it's not 50 years uh, complete, but it's five separate decades that he's done it in. So um, like I said, I like, I, I've always been a fan of super dominant champions in, in any sport. I love, I want Federer to just keep on winning hmm. forever. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that to me, that's super cool. And John is, is, is that for the sport. And I don't think there's an arm wrestler anywhere in the world who doesn't admire and respect John for what he's done. So um, so, so do, you, do you remember the first time you met him? Oh, yeah, or, or I do. Recently, yeah? <laughs> How that came about was a fascinating story. Um, I was actually contacted by Travis Bajant. Uh, it, was, it was like Christmas holidays. I was just... And Travis uh, is a champion arm wrestler in his own right. Yeah. So, yeah. So Tra- Travis, uh, one of the all-time greats of the sport, undoubtedly, 
Um, at this point in time, again, I had no network among arm wrestling greats. I was just a, a little redhead arm wrestler in Australia who was had a 12 year old. And next minute, I'm, I'm on Christmas holidays. I get, I get it. I look down my phone. It's ringing through Facebook call, and it says Travis Bajan's calling. And that straight away, I was like nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I got a Travis call. I said, "Naturally, I, 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 I composed myself, answer the call, and uh, and and have a chat with Travis." And he and he rings me up, telling me that he wants me to help him promote an event in Arizona. And I said, what the hell do you want me to do that for you for? Like, why? And he said, because every time I open Facebook, all I see is you. So <laughs> you obviously know how to get attention. Yeah. In the um, so I've got a budget for marketing. I don't want to do it. I want you to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And, and how long how long have you been on this journey of documenting and running your YouTube channel and, and pushing time, the social thing? At that point in time, I was about um, – I was about four and a half years into it. So wow! So yeah. if, so you you definitely persisted because there's a lot of people that do that for six months and then nothing really mm. comes of it and then that's that's enough for them. They kind of give up on their dreams. But uh, so are you doing this full time for four years before you start getting this level no, of attention? I'm, I'm, I'm operating um, a sports supplement store. Yeah, working because arm wrestling is definitely not paying the bills, uh, but uh, but every this is all happening in in my recreational time. I don't go to the pub, I don't go to the movies, I don't watch the footy on the weekend. This is everything I do. And late at night, I'd I'd be making content and whatnot. So um, it was just fun. It was legitimately that fun. And so when Travis called me and asked me to do that, um, he said, "And and I'll fly you to Arizona and um, your information." And I'm like, okay, you're done. Deal. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm there. Free treatment. <laughs> um, and then, so two weeks goes by and, and Travis reaches out to me again and says, hey, man, um, just needing, or, sorry, we're about two weeks out from my flight over there. Uh, so we're, we fast forwarded to uh, June now and um, June of the next year. And Travis says to me, all right, we need to sort out where your accommodation is going to be. He said, you've got a few choices. Um, there's a bunch of local arm wrestlers. You can stay with them if you want. Uh, if you want, you can stay at the casino where the, the tournament's going to be. And then just tongue in cheek, he throws out, hell, even uh, even John Brzezank lives 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and, then he, and then he quickly takes it back. He goes, but no, you can't stay with <laughs> It's too late. You're already there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, but I didn't at that stage. I didn't even know that John lived in that neck of the woods. So, um, so I, I, I mentioned to Travis. Oh, yeah, I think I'll probably just I'll probably stay at the venue and uh, whatnot. Um, that that'll work out best for me. But he's planted this seed in the back of my mind. I'm like, shit, John Percent lived down the road. Mm, I'm, a, I'm a YouTube content creator. If I, man, I got I got I got to meet this guy. I can't be that John and not not go and meet him. Yeah. Um. So. Having never spoken to John in my life, I, I I spent probably an hour or two drafting up a, a message that I thought would be appropriate to approach the goat to keep it short and sweet, but not sound like a boy, but not be asking too much and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I just happened to delete, delete, delete. I've been, okay, there. I've been there too, right? I've been there too. Yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Oh, no, no, that's, that's too, too much. Too much. <laughs> just, just you are my biggest out. hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's tricky climbing the le- climbing the ladder of network when you're just not in the realm of this person. It's a, it's a, it's an art and it's not easy. And I think most people suck at doing it. Um, but mm. 
But I, I but I thought to myself, oh well, all right. Look, I'll just. It was very polite. I introduced myself. I told John why I was going to be there. I uh, to help Travis in the event, and um, and I just happened to mention I'm not sure where I'm staying yet. straight away he's saying, oh man, you're more than welcome to stay here with myself and Renee, and I'm just like, oh, oh, wow. I'm just wow. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't even aiming for that. I was. Aiming and working for just an opportunity to meet meet um, He's there unbelievable. Stay at my house for the week that you're here. <laughs> so insane. Uh, so anyway, so I do remember the first time I met John. I remember I flew into um, into Phoenix Airport, and John works at the airport. Um, and I, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm getting. I'm trying so hard not to be a fan. <laughs> Every part of me is just nervous and excited. Something. I'm just like, normal human, just be, just treat him normal. I've been there, right? <laughs> Go on. But you know, meeting him, I, I probably was only nervous for ten seconds on uh, meeting him because he's such a hospitable and, and nice guy. Literally, um, he picked me up. We're, we're driving in his nice. Audi convertible in this Arizona sun. Um, the music's on, driving around, looking home. We get home. He hands me a beer. We go sit in the pool, and <laughs> and for seven hours straight, we, we drank beer, and I listened to arm wrestling stories from John. Oh, <laughs> oh man! Wow. So you were in heaven. <laughs> you yeah, got off the plane. Yeah. It was phenomenal. I couldn't believe that that was <laughs> where I was. It was pinch yourself stuff. It was really amazing. But that was how we met. And, um, there's, there's more to the story on how John impacted the channel because um, the, as I was saying, I was there for Travis's event. Mm. I um, I went to the event and at this whole, as I was getting to know John over the week that I had there, I was slowly working up and thinking, I just listened to John, observing John. He's very much retired from the sport, very much not involved in anything media uh, for the sport. And I was thinking, how do I ask John um, without overstepping my my stay to just if he'd be interested in a video in an interview. Anyway, eventually I asked him if he'd be up for the interview, and he said, "No." Nah, to be honest, I've I've had so many interviews for the sport. Mm. To be honest, the questions are always pretty much the same, and I've, I've I've honestly just got nothing new to say to the to the sport. Well, you were a little bit crushed at this point. <laughs> you yeah, worked no, up no, the no, courage. And, oh, no. <laughs> it was still just amazing. I'm thinking, yeah, it's amazing just to have been here and and met John and. And had these opportunities and so what happened was um we did the tournament with travis and it was the last day before i was due to go home and i sitting on uh in the on the, the couch out in the back back uh, area of john's place by the pool i set up my camera just to film a review for the tournament and i over about 10 minutes i rattle off my my take on the video oh sorry on the on the performance of everyone on the tournament and as i'm doing that john's just Lingering around the backyard, <laughs> watching me film this this video, and at the end of it, he goes, "Man, you do that really well." And he's like, "Okay, there's no chance I could flow that easily on camera and not sound like an idiot, but you did that really well." And he goes, "What? What? What's all this about?" And with that one question of "What's all this about?" Again, six beers later, five hours, <laughs> John, John says to me, "I'm in," and the end was we we hosted a podcast together for about six months uh, every week talking about what was going on in the sport of arm wrestling. So, wow. and, yeah. and was John conscious of what you've been doing in the social space in the lead up to this? Uh, what was what was John's was, knowledge was, of you? That was, 
that was that five hours and beers later was telling the story of what I've been doing over the last four and a half years and building it and the vision I had for the sport um, for, for what I could do to help contribute to it. And, and that vision that I did share with John that day was that I, aside from me becoming a, a, an arm wrestler, I want the sport to be able to give other arm wrestlers and as many of them as I possibly can, um, give them the opportunity to call it a career as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so like, for instance, I, I, I just can't imagine if John was John in any other sport, he would have such a significant back end mm-hmm. media career and he'd be paid really, really well for it. Yeah. Uh, and arm wrestling hasn't given that to John. And I, and I know that it's, it's something that like, Examples like that, I just think it's. I want to. I want the sport to grow where, where there's hundreds of people in the sport. The top athletes, the referees, the commentators, everyone. Uh, it's big enough that the that there's hundreds of people that can call it a career genuinely and do nothing else. Um, and I think John should be one of the very first people that can can reach that point. Um, so for me, it's been a lot about that. And and John and I actually just kicked off again with a podcast, uh, a regular <laughs> podcast uh, that's going to be weekly that started last week and. And it's so nice to to finally be at the point where I can actually pay and offer John quite a considerable amount of money just to be on the show, and yeah. that's awesome because I know that John in the in, in the six months that he was on my channel, which had a phenomenal impact, mm. he refused to let me pay him a cent. He said, wow. "No, just that's everything really nice. everything that you're offering to pay me, just reinvested into the into the company." Mm. Uh, so John was uh, was phenomenal in that respect, and. Um, here we are today. <laughs> so, so how? So, it's fair to say arm wrestling isn't really a professional sport, apart from at the the really the top echelon. And even then, it's a relatively new phenomenon for big paychecks, for big tournaments, that type of thing. So, how is it that you envisaged creating a a, a platform for yourself to to make this a professional sport for you? And then, how do you how do you see the sport in five or ten years time? Uh, and that template that model applying to others yeah the, the, the model that i really designed for myself was i, I first of all really believed that arm wrestling I, I tried to get my head around and understand advertising value for third-party sponsors mm. i thought I, I observed that in the arm wrestling world most tournaments and most people that had a sponsor it was more like they had a buddy that was donating something to them mm. than an sponsor. there wasn't any real value being given to to the actual um to, to the companies that were doing the advertising or making the sponsorship. So I, I really tried to get my head around the understanding of what advertising is and how, what it's worth to a company, what, a, what, a, what an impression is worth of their logo, what a five second intro is worth, what a product shout out is worth. And, and, and it had to be translatable to real sales for me. And, and I tried for a while to gain third party sponsors and I was able to gain a few here and there in, in the early days, but nothing significant. And I ended up thinking, I believe so much in the advertising value that I had that I thought, well, I'm just going to then create the company that and create a product to sell because yeah. I can't find a company willing to jump on board. So I'm going to create a product. And that was when I launched mm. Pound for Pound Arm Wrestling uh, and started the, the the ball of merchandise. And I started with t-shirts and things like that. And, and now we're into equipment and straps and, and everything and coaching and, and seminars. So it's, it's, it's expanding. So, for me, it was all about creating an opportunity to to just build a, a genuine business um, and go from there. So that was how I initially got the ball rolling financially for myself. And I always knew that the YouTube earnings directly were going to be the slow build that would someday probably trump everything else for me personally. 
Um, and it's getting to that point right now where, where my YouTube earnings are better than my retail earnings, uh, which which I didn't, uh, yeah, that's surprising that it's got to that point, but it is now. It, so people really... should be buying more stuff is what you're selling. <laughs> <laughs> so where can and we buy this stuff? Well, how do we share Watch that? the video, then buy the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, pepperpoundarmwrestling.com, if anyone wonders where, where you, you go to check it out, but um, which for me, the vision of that, I wanted to end up being the Nike of arm wrestling. I wanted to be the, mm. the leading brand that provides everything for arm wrestling at a high quality, but um Vision for the sport, I, I think it's, uh, you know, COVID has actually been uh, somewhat of a, an, a strange blessing for athletes in our sport. Um, prior to COVID, the model really was being a big league, either WAL or PAL, and um, get a paycheck from them. And no one, very few arm wrestlers were taking the time to invest in their own brand and their own story on, in, in, in the social media space. There was people like Devin was already doing it and doing it very well. Um, but example, people like Michael Todd, he was not doing it yeah. um, at all. And so it took COVID for a lot of people, uh, Levan, uh, Hermes Gasparini, Vitaly Leighton, uh, Gennady Kvickvinia. These are all names that have significant followings now. Matt Mask, another one, mm. Rob Brian. Um, these are all names that have all of a sudden jumped up to a decent level of actual earnings on YouTube in the space of six months mm. because they've recognized that the big leagues can no longer offer any sort of consistency. They can't offer a, a guaranteed event, um, and there's no there's no money in it anymore. I mean, I was due to I was four days away from getting on a plane to fly to uh, Los Angeles to face Brendan Lemon Mulverhill in WAL, um, and COVID killed it. So uh, for me, I was like, oh man, what do I do? I have to go back. But but I love where the sports evolved. Um, the athletes now have a, a much bigger brand for themselves that uh, provides a much greater global story to any match that is coming up. Um, and it's, it's given, it's given athletes control over their financial uh, situation in the sport as well. Like I said, I'm not privy to the, the earnings of, of Devon's precisely in that, but it's not hard to, to work out roughly where, where their channels are at. I mean, it's all public. You can jump onto any website that analyzes, um, YouTube channels and that, and I, I think Devin's making maybe one twenty to one fifty thousand dollars a year just from his YouTube channel. Yeah, wow. And that's that's only where he's at now. In twelve months' time, probably double that, triple that. And what, what kind of influence do you think you've had on those top tier arm wrestlers that perhaps um, they didn't have these social followings previously or didn't have a platform? Um, have they really seen you wanna, as an example? I don't want to take. I don't want to take credit for any of them, but I've always been. But you can I, because. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Always, Might as well. <laughs> it was all you, right? Yeah. I've always, I've always been an open and said to all those guys that, look, I'm willing to help anytime. And I have helped. I've spent I've spent hundreds of hours on the phone with, with a whole bunch of different people that have gone on to create content. Michael Todd, probably the most significant, spent... I speak to Michael Todd probably still once, uh, once or twice a week um, these days, and it's always we talk about YouTube, and we always we talk about and what what to develop next, and what direction to go, and how to optimize things, and how to get get things going. And and um, so I, I've helped a lot, but it, but it's like I said, there's people with real world credibility already can grow really quickly when they do things right. And Michael's a great example of that he has the real world credibility of being a multiple world champion and being just a genuine badass, and so. It didn't take long for his channel to really blow up, and Michael now is at the point where he's at about eighty to one hundred thousand uh, dollars. And wow. he's, like yeah. I said, That's quick. he's gonna he's gonna be double that in a year, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, and it, it, it's pretty cool. So 
I, like I said, Matt Mask is a great example. Matt Mask in the space of literally two months has mm. has matched my earnings on YouTube. <laughs> Incredible, yeah. So when I, I like I, I talk to the guys locally here in Australia and people people so often say, Oh no, but there's I'm not a good enough arm wrestler yet. And I'm like, bullshit, you know, just start it now. It'll be yeah. more interesting. How interesting would it have been if we had Michael Jordan documenting everything he did from when he was 12? I've exactly. always thought that. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Good to see all that. Yeah. Like, so start, if you, if you're, if you have the dream of being a professional arm wrestler, no matter where you're at, start documenting it. Yes. No one will watch. No one watched me for the first four and a half years. Like literally no one did. And, uh, and I still talk to him. So still talk to that camera. Like I was talking to millions of people. Um, and, and, if you make it, it becomes super fascinating to be a blueprint to look back at. So my, one of my goals was always to be that blueprint for both the business side and the athlete side. So I feel like that's going well and, um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, it might have had the biggest impact on arm wrestling uh, full stop is uh, your impact on how other arm wrestlers have grown their profile on social media because uh, I think there'd be a lot of people out there that would have no awareness of uh, Matt Mask, for instance, if it wasn't for uh, the YouTube channel's popularity over recent months, for instance. So, if it wasn't for yeah, you, well, spread the word. You know, it, there was a there was a real season where um, there was a lot of pushback. Like when I got my WAL uh, call up, for instance, mm. this is pre-COVID. You're like the no Jake one- Paul of arm wrestling. <laughs> That's why you were. WAL. So many people were pissed off at me that I got the call. And there, there was Neil Pickup will tell me he was getting bombarded with messages about all the people that could beat me in an arm wrestle. Not about that. That, mm. that deserved it more than I did. And look, the reality is that there might have been there, there might have been hundreds of people that could beat me in an arm wrestle. That on an arm wrestling table sense may have deserved more than me. They had more runs on the board and whatnot. But but what Neil saw in, in me and Neil is the primary selector for all WAL matches is that he knew he knew me from Arm Wars. He knew how driven I was to get into Arm Wars. He knew the performance I did. He knew the way I spoke on the microphone after my match at, at Arm Wars. And, and he now saw that I was at the level reco- good enough to, to be able to compete. And, and he saw that after I beat Evan Burgoyne in the bottom eight. Um, and that was like, okay, Brian's at a level now, good enough for the WL. And he said, you were one of the first people I, I want because I know you understand the value of branding and that. And so the pushback that I got from a lot of North American mid-tier pullers, I say mid-tier, mid-tier pros, yep. um, it took them a long time to, to be willing to stomach the fact that, that I brought something to the table that they weren't offering as well in the form of branding and social media and, and and that I could command more attention for a match. I could make more fans interested than they could. Um, and I'm really happy that, that a lot of those people that used to be very critical of me now are, are, are creating YouTube channels and doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Following the example. Well, it just goes back to what we were saying two weeks ago, you know, that characters and creating storyline is so important. You can have the people that are the world champions and they have their path to victory in terms of building an audience because of their skill level. But you've also got that character that has to be there, that if you can create both, if you have the skill level and you've got somebody that's interesting to watch and you can put a match on where it's like, I really want to see this guy because 
you know, he's got this or that or he's crazy or whatever, like Matt Mask, he gets furious before his matches. And yeah. it's like, oh, you got to see this guy. He's insane, you know. Um, bringing that and then bringing a level of skill when it's combined, that just, you know, it, it attracts people to the sport. And so when Neil Pickup sees someone like Ryan Bowen, who's putting videos out every day and he's got this following and he's passionate about the sport and he's skilled, mm. bring that guy on. I want to see that guy because people want to see him. Yeah. Whereas you got somebody, as you were saying, that might be a better arm wrestler or be able to beat Ryan, but it's like no one knows who this person is. They need to have built themselves into a character to be able to get that opportunity. So that's where the sport is at this point. And, and I'm guessing there would have been as many people that wanted to see you lose for that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that confront, confrontation. I think I might have wrapped up the uh, the world's most hated armor. <laughs> <laughs> There's a YouTube channel in that somewhere. Else. <laughs> so so it used to be Michael Todd, but I think I've gone past him. <laughs> it's still Michael Todd. <laughs> <laughs> that evolution of the North American arm wrestlers when I came to the WAL thing, just at first disgruntled and then understanding it, and then and then started with the concept. We're, I, I think we're now seeing that in an Eastern European sense as well. I see Eastern, let's be honest, Eastern Europe has a hell of a lot of killers in an arm wrestling sense. They, they're probably more over there than there is in the rest of the world. Mm. Um, but very few Eastern European pools have a brand that is recognized globally. Mm -hmm. um, they have a brand in their own, own neck of the woods for sure. But no one, I, like when I watched that East vs. West, I had to start digging and doing East really big research to try to get an understanding of who these guys were. I saw I saw countless pre-match interviews and pre-match content come out on the internet, all the Western pullers, and I saw nothing from any of the Eastern side. So I think that the Eastern side of the, uh, of the Armistice world is, is going to be slowly adjusting, and I think they will. We're, like I said, we've got Levan doing content, we've got Ermi's doing content, we've got Nadi doing content really well now, and they're going to see greater opportunities in because of it. So my hope is that the Eastern arm wrestling side of things will, will eventually catch on and pick up and start to utilize this as well because um, they're, they're currently missing the opportunities for the world. Yeah. So, like, Ryan, you've been really successful in terms of building the business and more so, like, building the views, as you've just said. Like, it's really interesting to hear that perspective and how you actually had to build because I've been in a number of sports that have no platform. But you you saw it as an opportunity to, I'm going to build the platform, I'm going to build the, the money and the income so that I can do this full-time and earn a full-time wage, which is awesome, and I'm sure every athlete who's in the same boat would be very inspired by you. Did you did you study any business or was that from your working in a supplement store? How did you teach yourself no, how to build that? Yeah, no, I have no yeah. formal degree or anything like that. Um, I I have I, I suck at studying. I really hate <laughs> in school at doing my homework. I just hate it. I just don't want to do it. Um, that said, I I'm fascinated by business. I'm fascinated by entrepreneurial pursuits. I love nothing more than than not working for someone. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was that it was that self drive to to study. When I say study, or when you ask me study, I can certainly say I studied the hell out of Gary Vaynerchuk. I studied. Mm. He was just the guy that happened to pop up on my my internet feed that I thought this guy is doing it right in terms mm. of. And so that was really where I studied to become knowledgeable around the business. But for me, the the key things from that I learned from Gary was just. Was, Speed and execution and patience. When I say speed and execution, 
uh, or self-awareness to know what you like, which was easy for me. Then it yeah. was being just create content, throw it up against the wall. If it sticks, fantastic. If it slides off, then just move on to the next one. Never be hesitant. I, I used the, the same motivation for me in the content creation as I did in the arm wrestling, which was there might be, I used to say to myself, there might be a thousand losses on the arm wrestling table between me being a new and me being the world champion. Um, and so I say, I'm going to rack up those losses as quick as I can because I want to get to that number, whatever wow. that number is. That's so awesome. I, yeah. then, I, then I say the same thing in the content sense. I say, as a YouTube creator, there might be 118 awkward as hell videos that I'm embarrassed by <laughs> before I get to the point where it's a full-time career. So instead of cringing and running away and hiding and turning off my YouTube channel, when I put out that video that gets hammered by the uh, community and people laugh at me, um, I tick it off as a success. I go, sweet, we are one video, awkward video closer to being full-time. Player. That's fantastic. That's such a good outlook. Mm. I love it. I'm going to take it and use it. <laughs> so so for aspiring athletes or anybody that's looking to establish a social presence, I, I, what what is the strategy? Do you have pillars? <laughs> what what are you what are you working towards here? Because you you know, it's yeah, really, it, this me, consistency it's, it's, is obviously one of the keys, but you've got a very determined strategy here. Yeah, so I do have a, a, a general sort of um, concept that I use, and it, it all does start from self-awareness being what it is that you enjoy. And once you identify what you enjoy, I arm wrestling, I would document every single thing you do as the first thing, uh, as your base level is document everything you personally do that involves arm wrestling, whether it's training, whether it's thinking about training, whether it's watching a video about it, whether it's training, whether it's having a match, doesn't matter. Anytime you're in that column of life that is arm wrestling, film it. Um, from there, release it without hesitation. And then from there, you're going to need to go into a process of refinement and because your production value is going to be dog's breakfast. <laughs> and it's going to be terrible. Audio is going to suck. Your camera is going to just be your phone, which is pretty good these days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Devin Larratt has made an entire YouTube career filming from his phone. Um, <laughs> So it can be done, but that is my base level is document your own story. As you go on, you're going to find other things you enjoy doing. You might enjoy coaching. Think of channels like Voice of Arm Wrestling. Uh, they started out documenting, but they found coaching. For me, I like a little bit of coaching. I like the commentary side of things. Mm. People like Jake Ward, Ozzy Arm Wrestler, he likes the, the, almost the comedy side of things. He started out in that, that respect. Um, whatever it is, you're going to find different avenues that you like and, and just just be yourself. Don't hesitate to, to post. Um, and then you will get better at it. Like like anything, you will get better at the production. You will get better at knowing what your audience wants. Read every comment. Don't let the comments affect you, but read every comment for the reason of just so you know what the, the audience is enjoying, what they're not enjoying. And, mm -hmm. and listen to them, take them on board, thank them for it and, and post another damn video. Like, <laughs> Hard. It really just, isn't. Just, just keep pushing through. Yeah, like it just if you enjoy it, you won't stop. That's the thing, and that's that's where Gary's big self awareness thing is the, the cornerstone of all. If you're doing what you love, you'll get there. And and this is when when people say, "Should I jump all into a, an arm wrestling content or to whatever their passion is, content creation on YouTube?" I say, "Hell no, don't do that." If you quit your job, your day job, and go all in on YouTube, you're going to then resent that passion you had because you're not going to earn enough. Just 
reality is you're not going to earn anything. Yeah. Um, so do it in your recreational time. As it starts to earn a hundred bucks a week, drop a day's work off if you want or whatever. And then as it gets up to 500, all right, drop four, four days work, work week off or whatever. Yeah. Um, and whatever you can afford given your living expenses and just, if it's what you're genuinely enjoying in life, you will have no problems doing that and you'll love the whole process and it won't bother you that you're earning nothing for the first few years. If we could all, if, if everyone was out there that's considering a career like this was told, look, it's going to be six, uh, 6.5 years before you are making a full-time career, but you will have it at 6.5 years. If you knew that definitely, you would do it without a doubt mm. because at the end of the day, it's what you enjoy so well it's the same as like a university yeah. degree or something like that you know people are studying for six years without being paid and it's like well there's a job at the end where you're supposed to get you know as soon as you graduate and you go and start earning money if you look at it that way and it's like okay well, it's going to be four years six years ten years until i get to the point but if as long as you're enjoying it and this is the thing you really love doing then you will get to that point and it doesn't matter that you didn't earn money all the, all the way up. It's like I didn't do it for those years because I was trying to earn money from it. It's like I did mm. it because I loved it. I loved doing it. I loved training. I loved going, you know, to the sessions and filming it and talking about it and getting other people involved in it. Um, and then eventually it might get to a point. It might not get to that point, but you might get there where it's like, okay, now we can have this as a career, which is what Ryan's done. Mm, yeah. Well, Gary Vaynerchuk often talks about, if you've got a, a job that's eight hours a day and you've got a passion and you're complaining that you're not living through your passion, then maybe you need to spend eight hours a day on your passion after you've finished work. And that's yeah. your that's your part-time job. That's your side hustle. Dedicate the time to it. Yeah. And then 100%. maybe after four and a half years, somebody will watch. So if you go and if you go and look at my channel, um, in that four and a half year slog, if you go and look at what was the most prevalent content that I was releasing then, it was it was a, a vlog. I called it the Daily Arm Wrestle. Mm -hmm. And and I filmed, like I did exactly what I, I was just saying. I, I filmed everything I did that was in the space of arm wrestling and I, around my job. And I finished, I would get, I would finish my day, spend time with my family. Um, they'd all go to bed and then I'd start editing for the videos. And I would, I would go to bed usually around two, two o'clock, three o'clock, because that was when I finished editing and, and posted and engaged with the content. And then I'd sleep for four hours and get up and do the day again. Yeah. Um, and, and I loved doing that. I definitely <laughs> loved doing it. It was so much fun. Honestly, it was. And I made nothing. Yeah. And, and so is arm wrestling now the full-time gig? This is what you, your yeah. full-time 100% arm wrestling awesome. content creation? That's fantastic. And so good. Do, do you think you're the first to, do, um, to get there? I think that I was maybe the first. Maybe. I think there's a few now, but I, I'm not sure. I think I might have been the first. But Devin, Devin is now... Uh, Raymond Lopens is from Voice of Arm Wrestling. He is now. I am now. Oh, Alex. Arm Wrestling Alex TV. Top Alex yeah. Bezyatov definitely is. Yeah. He's, he's making a million bucks a year doing what wow. he's doing. That's insane. That's crazy. Um, don't quote me, but he would be around that level. Yeah. Um, Schoolboy. And there might be a couple others, but, but yeah, there's not too many at the moment. Maybe four or five of us at the moment. Have you thought about getting a baby-faced brother that looks weak and putting him on a? <laughs> I did an experiment with a with a with a series called "Can You Beat This Skinny Guy?" Where I was like Jordan that's Davis. That's Jordan the one. Davis. Yeah. yeah, that was great. <laughs> Jordan and Lachlan are a great example of uh, when Jordan and Lachlan uh, turn on their YouTube channels properly, and they they both will at some point in time. Like, I think it's inevitable they will because they're both badass arm wrestlers, genuinely elite. 
And they've both kind of been part of my story a lot. So the world actually knows a hell of a lot about both of them already. Yeah. And I think that if they get to the point where they are genuinely cracking into the top 10 in the world and they recognize globally as superstars, they will have that Matt Mask sort of moment where literally mm. they can just go start creating low budget content, but because your real world status is up here and because they've already had that that entry through my channel, they'll they'll both be mega overnight, I think. So I'm surprised Jordan hasn't turned it on yet because he's a wealth of knowledge. He could share so much about the sport. Um, he really is talented. Um, and people would listen and people watch. And Jordan, if Jordan just did a, a an opinion video whenever he had an opinion about anything going on in the sport, when he just explained some technique every now and then and just filmed his own matches and his own training, Jordan would be pocketing at least sort of at least five hundred bucks to a thousand bucks a month for for that for sure. Like yeah. that's very easy for someone Jordan's level. And, and what do you think of the the, the blockages for um, for people to make that transition from a sport they love to making money from a sport they love? Um, the hurdles that you'll that you'll face that or that I faced. Uh, the, the biggest one is your own self doubt. I mm. think I think self doubt is a huge huge block. Like so, when you first start out, no one's watching, and the people that are mostly laughing. Um, and is that mom, magnified by social media? Yeah, big time. Social, yep. The internet's a weird place. Mm. It really is a weird place. You'll <laughs> get criticized hard. Um, your buddies will be the first ones to laugh at you. <laughs> and your local arm wrestling cohort will tell you that it's embarrassing that you're creating this content. And and, and everyone will just think you're an idiot. That, that's just what will happen. That's what I experienced. So I really did. Yeah. And I got that on a local level, then on a state level, then on a national <laughs> level. Now I'm, in the thick, now I'm in the thick of it of an international level. Yeah. <laughs> the next chapter is the internationals accepted me and I'm just up here now. So yeah. like what I've, I've seen the exact same community reactions on the micro level all the way up to where I'm at now. And it's, it's exactly the same the whole way. It's just a bigger, bigger bunch of people doing it. And, and do, you, do, do you think that you fast-tracked your way to that top level because of your social presence as much as anything? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. arm wrestling, my social presence has become, it's given me a ladder to actually climb in, in an arm wrestling sense outside of traditional methods. I, I didn't have to, I, everyone else is trying to get a call up to WAL, everyone else is trying to go through the PAL, everyone's trying to use their, the, the, the reputation of their local tournament as something, which let's be honest, they're still, they're, they're still real things, but you can't always rely on those, you don't get the opportunities, it doesn't line up. Where for me, I can say to, like my last super match that happened, um, uh, the Chance Shaw, for instance, I flew to Florida. I said to Chance, I will put $500 on the table. You don't have to put anything on the table. Winner of the match takes the 500 bucks. And I create my own opportunities because, because the YouTube channel is going to pay for it. That's it's a, fine. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. amazing. It's all it's content. Amazing. I, I, you know, <laughs> like if, trust me, if, if we didn't have this damn two-week quarantine on return thing in Australia right now, next week I'd be in Bulgaria or something like that. <laughs> so, so that's the aspiration: take the show on the road, go international as soon as you can. Yeah, I, I need to take Lachlan there overseas and <laughs> get him to find someone. I don't know. <laughs> so, for, uh, for for those uh, that don't know, um, share a little bit about Lachlan Adair. Ah, uh, man, Lachlan Adair. I think he's genuinely the number one in the country, and by a considerable margin. Um, he is phenomenally strong. Uh, he was came from the background of powerlifting. He got interested in the sport um, pro, to a proper degree 
uh, probably about two years ago. And when he did that, he enlisted Giannis Amelins to coach him, to guide his every single set and rep throughout the week. And, and Giannis that. is a world champion. Uh, Multiple world champion legend of the sport as a lightweight, one of the best of all time. And, and Giannis directed all that. Now, Giannis reported back to us through Lachlan and everyone, Lachlan, you are really, really, really strong. <laughs> and like to the effect that Lachlan's numbers in the gym are 20% better than anyone's in Latvia's. <laughs> uh, they're doing the same lifts. Lachlan is stronger than everyone in Latvia by a frigging country mile. Wow. His numbers, and this is where the delusional Ryan Bowen series, I'm about to add another one, but <laughs> Lachlan's numbers are Saplinkov level. They just wow. like... In his armwrestling specific numbers, he's Saplinkov level, he's Levan level. He's he's as strong as those guys are in the gym. Mm-hmm. No, and you, we can't deny that. But then the question is, where's he on the table? And that's just annoying that COVID hasn't given us the opportunities. Uh, and he's really improved on the table. Six months ago, I could still get through a door and uh, give him problems. And that wasn't because of a lack of strength. It was a lack of efficiency on the table. In the last six months, he's improved that to a degree where he's now realizing his strength and he's able to control to a degree where I literally can't do a thing to him. I can't feel the limit of him. I just can't. And I know I'm a pretty damn good arm wrestler. I I think I genuinely am number two in the country. Uh, (laughs) He is number one is just out of my reach. I cannot feel it at all. I'm so excited to see. I think whoever he pulls next internationally is the world is going to be stunned. It won't matter who he pulls. He could pull anyone. If he pulls someone that that the world thinks is his level, he'll toy with them. If he pulls someone that at the like Todd Hutchins level, which is what I know Lachlan wants and what I would love to see him, I think he will beat. I think he'll beat Todd Hutchins quite convincingly. Yeah. I think he'll beat him in a hook. Even no worries at all. Hmm. Um, and that would just blow the the minds of the world. If if Lachlan goes to Zlotti next, and he's let's say I think he wins the 105 kilo Zlotti, mm. and then he goes into the overalls, and he's right there at the pointy end. And it's just like if that happens, the world will lose its shit in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to get him to start a YouTube channel then. Where his his YouTube channel will blow up. Everyone will be like, hang on a second. <laughs> Um, so. Yeah, it was frustrating with uh, COVID kind of ruined Lachlan's moment in a little bit of a way in uh, a few months ago that he was supposed to go against the current, num- well, the former number one now um, with uh, Milkman, uh, Ryan, Ryan Scott. Um, so Ryan Bowen had flown over to Perth. Uh, they were going to have this match. It was going to be between Lachlan and the Milkman. Uh, and Lachlan got there. He was there, and then um, they released uh, like a shutdown thing, and they said you have to come back. You can't. You can't stay. And so uh, Ryan, thankfully, went against Ryan. Ryan versus Ryan match, uh, and Ryan Bowen convincingly won. Hmm. Um, and then for you to say now that you know you can't feel any, like do anything to to Lachlan at all, it just really <laughs> elevates that level that he's on. And that's that's the thing about the the international perception is none of that changed anything to the internationals. They don't care that I beat Ryan Scott. Um, mm. They don't care that Lachlan can beat me. They're just like, yeah, you're still Aussie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing changed there. Yeah. <laughs> the reality of it is for me is that when I, whenever I speak to Americans and I say, all right, here's my logic. Try to try to try to pick this apart, and I bet you can't. My logic on Lachlan is. Okay, my last five super matches, I beat Chance Shaw, I beat Dan Mosier, 
I beat Dallas Langston, I beat Alan Gare, and I beat Evan Burgoyne. So okay, you didn't I beat, lose? I beat, <laughs> I, beat, I beat those guys. And everyone's like, okay, yeah, you beat those guys. Okay. Then I say, okay, I can't do a fucking thing to Lachlan. Can you tell me the name of someone in North America that can treat these five guys like Lockwood treats me? Hmm. They all go, oh, mm, mm, mm. it's hard to find a name. Like <laughs> You have to go to the Dave Chafee level. You have to go to the, the Devin Larratt level to be able to find someone. You do. Marcio can't do to those five guys what Lockwood can do to me. Wow. And, and and when you look at it that way, you go. He's okay. in rear air. Yeah, that's honestly, I think when he finally gets the chance to compete, sure. we're going to see him at the level where he would be beyond the Marcios, beyond the Matt Masks. I think he's genuinely going to knock his way into that top eight in the world. Wow. If you had if you had Lachlan now against, say, the top five guys, would he still be out? What sort of rank would you put him? Maybe top 10, something like that? I think, that? I think he'd have a wonderful match with Prudnik. I think he'd have a wonderful match with Hermes Gasparini. I think he'd have a wonderful match with Ongabayev. I think he'd get beaten by Levan. He'd get beaten by Dave Chafee. He'd get beaten by Devin Larratt. Um, he'd get beaten by Truven, but he wouldn't look out of place. Mm. He'd lose, but he'd be like, oh, I'm coming. Mm, yeah. I think he's at the Prudnik level. Okay. And how old's uh, Lachlan now? I think Lachlan's 33. Still growing. growing. He's only been in the sport for a few years. And it's crazy to see the progression that, you know, you look back at some of his older matches and it's like, you know, there were some losses and it's like, okay, but then the the progression now. You guys are South Australian. You guys are South Australian, and so you, you're obviously big fans and you're all aware of uh, Gunter's Bikovs and his caliber. Yeah. Yeah. one thing that shows you Lachlan Adair's genetic potential in this sport was Lachlan Adair had been arm wrestling for three months. Lachlan Adair entered the Australian National Championships. At this point in time, Gunter's Bikovs had never been defeated by anyone in Australia. Lachlan Adair on the left arm, which is, I believe, Gunter's good arm as well, <laughs> but it was Lachlan's strong arm at the time. Lachlan Adair beats Gunter's Bikovs in wow. the Australian National Championships. Wow. 2-0. Mm. And as a three month into an arm wrestler to beat Gunther's Bikovs, that's that's no small feat. That's- <laughs> we we heard yeah. Matt's Gunther's story last <laughs> yeah. week here, and um, yeah, Matt might be just falling a little bit shorter. <laughs> yeah, well, geez, we can't all be locked with it, yeah. But no, I, I couldn't move Gunther's no matter what, and it was he was very kind to me, and you know said that oh, you're doing good, but really I was, yeah, <laughs> not well, even a tenth of what he was. I couldn't even my hand around his hand. It was yeah. so what's your what's your um best advice to people that are looking at getting into the sport now oh well it's 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 fairly easy the sport will take and take uh, control of you so just let just run with it you'll fall in love with it it's like a drug you can't get it once you've started you're in Like 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 anything, and as we've kind of all touched, if you love the sport first and foremost, you'll you'll keep going. And the sport in Australia, in particular, is in a wonderful place. There's so many good clubs, great community behind them, and um, the training's awesome. And um, there's more and more opportunities coming up. So just enjoy enjoy it, and um, never stop, and don't get injured. <laughs> 
Well, uh, uh, we're all about hard-nosed journalism here, and I know uh, Izzy's been doing some homework <laughs> during the course of the week. So, um, Izzy, you, you had a question for Ryan. I do have a question for you, Ryan. All right, this is a big one. Now, this may come to come as a great shock to most people. But, Ryan, word on the street is you've recently started this diet where you eat 1.5 kilograms of meat <laughs> per day. Ah. Would you like to tell us more about this, please? Really, yeah, I'm actually literally today I'm filming a vlog of everything I'm eating because when I put that 1.5 kilo video out yesterday, the amount of pushback it got on there, people were like, "What the hell are you doing? Like, what's going on?" Um, but yeah, I'm 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 eating 1.5 kilos of red meat a day at the moment. Um, after this video, I've got 700 grams to go tonight. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um, but. This was something for me that it didn't it didn't come from me. It came from a an expert way beyond my my level. And um, I was fortunate enough that I had this guy reach out to me and say, Ryan, I would like to help you in a whole number of regards. Um, and one of them being getting me into peak performance in a nutritional sense. Uh, and and he directed me. He said, I want you eating uh, at least I want you getting three hundred grams of protein from red meat a day. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of protein. And I'm like, he's like, I bet you're doing nowhere near that. At the moment. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably getting 50 grams of protein <laughs> at, at max. Um, so, and I, I have a small stomach. I struggle with that. So a lot of people, uh, I'm not just doing just meat and there's definitely heaps of carbohydrates in there as well. So, um, but my priority is to get the meat first. So because I've got a small stomach and I've got to adjust this huge volume, I'm, I'm, leading with getting the meat in first. And then if I manage to get it in, I'll reward myself with some carbohydrates. Um, I'm eating, it's essentially, it's along the lines of the vertical diet. So uh, eating a lot of white rice as well. My wife has, has cooked me today, two kilos of rice pudding, which is- Wow. <laughs> two kilos. Two kilos. <laughs> so that, that'll, be, that'll be two days, two days worth, two kilos, a kilo a day of rice and 1.5 kilos of red meat a day. And then anything else on top of that for sanity's sake is fine. But the meat is the priority, followed by the carbohydrates, followed by that. And this is all for growth. This is all to stimulate growth in my body as best as I possibly can and just to get stronger. That's the goal. Are you tracking yeah. it with uh, like blood tests or anything? <laughs> so good. Are you, are you tracking it all with like a, a blood test to sort of see where your levels yeah, are at? This, guy, this guy's asked me to send me blood tests and he'll, we're going to do them once a month and, and everything. He's, this guy's a world-renowned um, guy in this respect. So I, I, like I said, I can't explain, Izzy, I do apologize. I can't explain why the hell I'm doing this on a science, any sort of biological scientific level. No idea. Everyone in the YouTube comments section probably knows more than me, but I hardly doubt they know more than the guy that's directing it. So uh, like I said, he's a world-class guy. So That's just um, absolutely insane <laughs> to me. Yeah, that's – and um, what I'd be really interested in finding out, you may not know yourself, is why it's not white meat, chicken or – fish like salmon, because to me, those things are a really great way to get your protein and what I would have thought other things. But, you know, I'm keen to try this. Oh. <laughs> Tell me more, Ryan. <laughs> I wish I could just regurgitate the the answers because he did explain to me um, all of these sorts of things. And, and if you look up, if you go and Google classic bodybuilder diets, if you look up Ronnie Coleman's diet, for instance, he's going to be smashing similar. He's going to be even more. Wow. Um than this. He's going to be hitting four pounds of red meat a day. Um, right. I'm, I'm not Ronnie <laughs> Coleman, but, but as an example, Ronnie was doing that plus eggs, plus carbs, plus everything. Mm. So 
Um, it, it, it's it's not an uncommon approach amongst um, strength athletes, um, and it's it's a decision I've made because I've always wondered what my performance and body would be like if I ever got my nutrition in line. Yep. I've always just whatever the hell I want. I have way too much sugar, and I just I just I just <laughs> suck at nutrition. So yeah. So, so for those that might be as familiar with you, uh, how tall are you, and how much do you how much do you weigh when you're competing? Six, I'm six one and six one and a half. Um, so was that like one eighty seven centimeters tall? Uh, I am nine. This morning I was ninety six point two kilos. In am I right to say that's you? You that's <laughs> getting, you're getting heavier. Yeah, that's normally yeah, you'd yeah. sit around nine, early nineties, mid nineties. My next few opponents are all going to be super heavyweights, so there's no point in staying right. light and wow. hunt big people. So yeah, so I, who's, I, who's your next guy you're targeting? Is it Marcus Terry or is um uh, the guy from no, New Zealand? Or I mean, Matsuo Rangi from New Zealand is right. is probably my most likely next opponent. Um, uh, either he I'll, either he pops over here or I'll pop over there, and we'll have that match. That adds some really interesting updates to the rankings, but. On the bigger scale, there's King of the Table 2 oh. from Larry Wheels and, and that uh, that I have a very real chance of being a part of. Wow. And, and the, the opponent that I've requested and I've been told should be possible, um, but we'll see, is Schoolboy. Oh, wow. Schoolboy weighs 266 pounds at his last event. So. Um, that'll be big. big. So a lot of he pounds. Is, he is just, uh, one of the top guys <laughs> in the world at yeah. the moment. Yeah, destroyed Larry and Wheels. Mm. And if I don't, and, and I mean, if I don't face him, even still, I've got to prepare for the. Um, I've got to prepare for over the top two in November, which mm. I'll be chasing Lachlan there. So yeah, if I'm going to chase Lachlan there, I've got to. I got to get heavier. <laughs> have you Have you heard about the tournament in November, the over the top two tournament? No, but is there an invitation for me to? I think anybody can compete. Oh. There's the Stallone movie Over the Top from the <laughs> 1980s, which, uh, you know, is a high watermark in absolutely. arm wrestling culture. Every, everyone who uh, talks about arm wrestling will bring up that movie, usually, the hat backwards and the toothpick and the, you know, craziness. So <laughs> <laughs> um, they're doing like a replica kind of tournament. Oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm going to start eating 1.5 kilograms of red meat every day. <laughs> I was so excited. And there's a $10,000 first place prize. Is that right? It's $10,000 for first place, not spread across the uh, the divisions. I think it's $10,000 first place. So, yeah, I think they have, like, uh, there, there is prize money on the other divisions as well, but like the original Overtop, um, I think, like, the original Overtop, I think there was first prize in the your weight category was like $5,000 or something. And John... And a lot of people didn't pull their weight categories because they all wanted to go for the the overall class, which was the the B double. Mm. And I think I think John, I think John sold that B double for one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. A wow. truck like a semi trailer. Wow. And what do you what do you think about uh, the sport? Kind of looking back retrospectively at the movie and that being the main event. Um, what how does that sit with you? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the movie Over the Top. I, I'd, I'd seen it um, as a kid and enjoyed it. thought it was awesome. Um, it obviously had a big impact. If you talk to any anyone from the USA, uh, it was a huge part of changing the sport for them. And uh, it, more there was more interest in the sport as a result than any other time in, in and around that decade. So it had a big impact, undoubtedly. Um, a lot of people were hopeful at the time that, that was going to be the catalyst to the sport becoming truly a professional sport. It wasn't, unfortunately, but um, it no doubt 
played a big role in it. And um, I think it, it, yeah, it made a big impact on the sport in a positive way. But, mm. uh, but here we what, are. What are the dangers of running a retrospective event like that it, it, some 30 years down the track, do you think? Well, I, I think the Australian Arm Wrestling Federation, um, because of COVID, uh, they didn't. They weren't able to spend their usual marketing budget in the way that they normally would, rather than spreading it out over a bunch of tournaments like they may have otherwise. Um, because of COVID, they've condensed it all into one event. So they thought, well, what's the the maximum impact we can make? So they the over the top two, the replica down to the details of the tables. It's going to be in a casino. It's going to be themed. Everything's going to look and feel exactly like it. The the drawers will be wow. done. The same. Refereeing will be the same. Stallone will be uh, there. No, not really. <laughs> Send him a DM. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they've got him yet, there yet, but I think they're genuinely trying to get him there. But really? Oh, Holy uh, shit. I'm so training so hard for this. Uh, uh, Ryan, will you be my coach? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that uh, I know Devin Larry has, ex- has expressed uh, an intent to be there. Ryan Espy as well. John Brazank has said that he would be willing to come. So oh my God. There's, there's so many things that would make that a moment you know, that would be amazing. And, and to be honest, if those names come, people like Larry Wheels probably comes as well. Mm. Isabella Rossitano might <laughs> yeah, rock up. maybe, maybe. <laughs> it really could be an amazing event. The one thing I hope and pray happens before then is that damn two-week quarantine yeah. for Australia. Mm. But... I don't know. My gut feel is it's just going to be Aussies and Kiwis there because of it. Mm. We'll see. And what do you think the effect of uh, crossover athletes has been on arm wrestling over recent times? So uh, Larry Wills, um, Gigi. Gigi Mufu, as you mentioned there, was probably the first one to do it. Uh, Devin Larratt and Gigi. I don't know where they met, but they started collaborating and uh, and Devin was an instant hit on Juji's channel and Juji somewhat fell in love with the sport, got involved in bottom eight and, um, and brought a lot of his audience to our sport. And he um, he kind of faded out in his actual interest in pursuing the sport, but he had a WAL match. He did a few exhibition things like that and um, definitely, definitely helped. And then Larry kind of did the same thing um, but fell in love with the sport even more. And, and to the degree in which he now thinks that in three to five years' time, people are going to know him as an arm wrestler. Well, wow. uh, out of his mouth, that's what he wants. So you think, wow, that's cool. For Larry to want that is going to drag our sport up a long way in terms of the social media reach and impact. And um, we saw that in you know, a great example of when Khaled pulled on Larry's channel, how yeah. Khaled looks strong in one video and all of a sudden, if you were to poll the entire world who the strongest <laughs> person in the world is, it was Carlet. So yeah. <laughs> that showed you how impactful Larry's channel was on on the, the sport. So um, slowly, because Larry's done an amazing job of bringing out all these different professionals and now hosting the King of the Table event, I think Larry's audience is starting to actually mature into an understanding of what this sport really is, and that's that's awesome. So big, big hats off to Juji and Larry for what they've done, and there'll be more to come. I think Eddie Hall's quite interested once he's mm, done yeah. with. He's done yeah. a little bit. Once, once he's, he's done, done with Thor. Thor. Yeah, jeez, Eddie Hall. He was uh, on with Neil Pickup. I saw. I think he was uh, Neil was showing him a couple of things on the table. When they supposed to have an arm wrestling match between him and Thor as well as the boxing, or that would just. I'm not sure. Well, well Eddie Hall was was going to have a match with uh, RVJ and WAL. Oh, okay, mm. cool. That was actually on the cards properly. That was the same card that I was going to be facing Brendan Lemon. Oh. Um, so. Um, which let's honestly, we all know that RBJ was going to crush him mm. for the same 
were crushed Larry, but um, but still it would have dragged a lot of people over. And I think that Eddie, he's really good mates when he'll pick up. So it, it won't be a surprise if Eddie does come across, especially now having seen the success that Larry's had with it. So, and when I say success, I'm talking about YouTube success, which mm-hmm. uh, is money. Um, a channel of Larry's level is making a lot, mm-hmm. a yep. lot of money. So directly. Do you think that's what makes it easy for um, for a personality with uh, Larry's following to put on a world class event, uh, as we just saw with King of the Table, just the, the best athletes in the world converging on Dubai? Uh, to be honest, like the production values weren't fantastic. You know, the venue didn't look great, but it didn't matter because millions of people tuned in, didn't they? Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, m- money is money does make things easier, and Larry's. Larry's grown an empire and a business through everything else he's done in, the, in his strength pursuits, and he's done it to an amazing degree. So we're just fortunate that he's now fallen in love with our sport and he's spending some of that money on us, which is mm. amazing. But undoubtedly, um, I mean, that's been the model that I've been slowly growing, being that, like I said, my chance show match. I, I funded the travel, I funded the prize money, and we put a video out and we got great viewership for it. Mm. Yep. Um, Larry's doing the same thing, just on a bigger scale, which has yep. been awesome. Yeah. And you were looking to do something similar with RBJ yourself uh, not yeah. too long ago. Um, yeah, that, that's still very much for me. The model is is that uh, is gain is, is gain a storyline, um, gain an opportunity to pull put third party sponsors in behind it. I, I personally uh, am not a fan of. I'm not. I'm not not a fan, but I think that the free model is actually more powerful for our sport right now than the pay per view model. Uh, I, d- I think that that we could potentially grow. Like for me, my my how I would do it if I was the person behind that was doing the investment into the the any given event, um, I would contract out that live stream to 10, 20 different big uh, YouTube channels. Yeah. So we would have we would all have the live stream going, mm-hmm. uh, and I would ask each of those those people to do it through a Zoom call or whatever. So I I, I would go live on my channel. They do it live on theirs through a Zoom. They add their little commentary to it as they watch it. So it's still their flavor. Their, their audience still feels like it's coming from them. They're getting their perspective on it. And for the right to broadcast that, we would negotiate a split on the, the revenue from their live stream on each of their channels. And that goes back into covering production costs and prize money and whatnot. And I think the viewership we would get, if you had Dev and Larry, Larry Wheels, Arm Wrestling TV, um, Eddie Hall, uh, Hafthor Bjornsson, yeah. all going live on an event, you're going to have the biggest viewership that we've ever had for an event. Um, so that's how I would do it. But I could be wrong. I don't know. But I think that that's one of the ways it can be done. I think you're absolutely correct on that. The more people that can have access to it, especially for free, if you could say, hey, here's the thing, let's have a look. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of months. You just load it up and watch it. You don't have to pay for it. It, it yeah. just compared to, oh, there's this thing, but you've got to pay even uh, you know eight bucks or 10 bucks. It's like, yeah, I'm mm. not going to do it because I don't really know what it is. So that, that event was successful for Larry financially, I believe. He did profit from it, which is so, it, I mean, it's proved that if he profits from it, it's going to grow, which is good. And that's why he's doing king of the table too but to be honest the reason it profited was because of devon larrett mm-hmm. devon carried the back of that promotion uh, probably 80 90 percent of it we take devon larrett out of that promotion and it's going to be very very difficult so devon himself is such a powerful entity in the sport of marketing um you know and i i, I think 
the pay-per-view model is is fraught with danger that it won't last and it won't work for matches that don't have Devon Larratt in it uh, at this stage. It may in the future, but I agree. I think the free the free model is um, a powerful model right now. For sure. It's sort of like with it's so good to be able to see that people are be, being able to build these brands, build these channels, you know, through the sport, uh, doing it their own way. You know, it's like Larry Wheels is like he's built his his empire, um, powerlifting and and doing all these other sort of sports and now arm wrestling as well. But you know, he was started with zero followers, zero subscribers, and it's like to say, okay, well, I'm going to create this thing and I'm going to get people on board. And rather than I need to approach a media company, I need to approach a TV channel or anything like that. It's, I'm going to do this thing like you've done with your channel as well, where it's like, this is my passion. I'm going to film it. I'm going to start putting videos out. I'm going to you know, create this, this brand. And there's nothing in this sport that it represents the things that I want. So I'm going to build it instead of saying, oh, there's no path to it. It's like, well, let's create it instead. Mm-hmm. And the ability to be able to do that these days, you know, you can, you can do it with YouTube. You can do it through uh, social media and create the, the vision that you want. Um, yeah, it's it's great for me. I'm really excited. I'm just when I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm just like, oh man. Especially like yeah, the well, I get, yeah, I get really excited with the revenue sharing model. Like, I love uh, I love the idea. For instance, we we do this in Australia, and it'll, it, look, this conversation is probably stimulated enough that I'll I'll probably do this for my next super match. And in in the model, that, what I mean be will be let's say I have a super match with Matt Ring. I'm over there. I'm going to go live and it's going to be, there's going to be no commentary on my live because I'm going to be pulling it. Hmm. But I ask you, Matt Donnelly, I ask you, Dave Stockbridge, I ask uh, <laughs> the arm wrestler, uh, anyone else who's got a YouTube channel, I ask you all, all right, I want you all to go live. I want you all to sh- screen share my original video and I want you to via Zoom add your commentary on it. So your head's going to be in the video in that top right corner and you commentate the damn match and then. We go, you, you send me 50% of the revenue that you're, you generate on your channel to help me cover my costs. And, and, in the, in, and the reward for you is you're going to get some cash from an event you didn't need to organize. And you're also going to get some subscribers. And the people that love your commentary are going to be so happy that they get to hear your commentary on a, on a match that they wanted to see. Sounds I good. think it's really, really <laughs> and, and it, And what I can say is I can then sell to a potential third-party sponsor. I can say mm. I've got these... Five channels all broadcasting live. They have this many subscribers. Okay, there might be some overlap, but there's a good chance there's, there's a lot of unique ones in there as well. So we're going to have a, subscri- a subscriber base of all of this um, going live on the event, and that's going to give me more opportunity to sell to a third-party sponsor. So yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it. I mean, uh, Ryan's helped me a lot with my side of things in terms of getting everything up and running for the the SA Titans club and any time that I have a question he always answers straight away it's been fantastic um it's one of the things with this sport is that everyone seems to be even at the top levels you know you can write to Michael Todd and he'll write back like it's just so weird to me because it's like this is you know the world champion or you know the one number one number two in the world in this sport um and they're happy to answer a question from somebody they never met. And, you know, Travis Page ringing you up or you're going staying at John Brzezink's house. It's like, mm-hmm. my God, it's like you think <laughs> yeah. of any other sport. It's like, say, basketball. Yeah. Be like, okay, Michael Jordan, you just send him a letter. Yeah, come over, mate. We'll stay there for a, a whole week. not inviting you around. Right. So, yeah, that, I don't know. It just seems to be with uh, maybe it's combat sports in general, but maybe it's the level that this sport is at with, with uh, arm wrestling being at that grassroots. But it feels very like a tight-knit community even though it's you know worldwide that people are willing to support each other and help each other 
um, and you can reach out to these people and they're, they're quite willing to, to sort of reply back, help you out, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic to see it. Do you, do you think one of the exciting things about arm wrestling at the moment is that it is the Wild West in some, in some respects? There's no... There's not a a, a, a a top-down governance structure. You don't have a necessarily a, a peak body that's um, issuing decrees to everybody else and, and uh, pigeonholing athletes into certain uh, sponsorship agreements um, and that there's opportunities for people like yourself to essentially do your own thing. And for as long as that's entertaining people, that's enough. That's yeah. the that's the key there, metric. There, I mean, there are a few organisations that do try to do that, um, but... The, Almost the, under yeah. an old school model. Uh, like the, the WAF ban, ban athletes that compete in this body. Or you, you go and compete in anything else other than WAF, you get banned from WAF, which is really... <laughs> No, not the way Wait, so and, and, to clarify, you're saying that if you compete in a different league in arm wrestling, they won't let you comp- uh, compete in the bigger leagues? Is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. competing yeah, organisations. Yeah. So I, I, when I went and competed in this lot too, I got a one-year ban from WAF. <laughs> okay. I'm now back. I'm, I'm on the green list again now. I can, I can compete if I wanted to, but I do plan to go to Zlotti in November this year, so I'll be banned. Yeah, it's so, just stupid. Yes, and, and so what, what effect could that have on your your career uh, in being banned from one of these associations? Yeah, and and that's this is one of the reasons why a lot of the Eastern European athletes don't have a brand as yet because they're they're kind of stuck, and they're stuck because the WAF is a very significant league. They have um, a, a great a great relationship with the governments of many nations. In For example, if you're um, in Kazakhstan or you're in Georgia or you're in Bulgaria, if you are in the top five or ten or whatever it is for their country, you're actually paid a salary from your government. So, um, but they have to compete in the life pathway for that. So, yeah. Um, it is a good system for them in that that respect, but those people then look outside that little cage and they look at the Devon Larrets and the <laughs> Levon Tankers and the Ryan Bowens now, mm. and that pits them off that someone like me gets all this. You know, so, so, so you've got got these emerge. Sorry. So you so you've got these emerging uh, federations. It's almost like a heavyweight champion boxer where you've got like. He might be the heavyweight with that federation, but over here he's not recognised. And you've got—is there any signs whatsoever of there being a unified belt or a unified? There is. Do you, do you feel that will happen in your lifetime? I don't think it'll be a unified belt as such, but I do think that Devin Larratt is the tip of the spear. Devin Larratt is earning enough money now doing his own promotions that he doesn't need to take orders from anyone, mm. and he can—he can—he's more powerful than Igor Mazarenko's entire PAL, yeah. uh, and he. Command, he can command that match, and I would I'd bet money that that match happens. Devon and Levan will face in the next six months. I would almost guarantee it because of the power of Devon's social media impact. It'll, it'll be phenomenal, and um, and and, yeah, and I think that will force organisations like the PAL and that to to adapt. That they have to realise that athletes are now making more money doing them doing their own thing than they ever did by competing in their league. So it's got to change. Is it for the, the put the matches together that people want to see? Yeah, and, it, it means that the personalities now circumventing the system essentially. So, mm-hmm. and and which means the people get what they want. Mm-hmm. Exactly, that's right. I mean, you mm-hmm. want to see. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone wants to see Devon and Levan, and mm-hmm. it's like you know it's, it's Igor saying it's, that he can't do it. it. It's it's holding it back. You know, it's like the world wants to see that match. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the match to make. It's going to make the most the most money. It's going to make the most people interested in arm wrestling. It's going to get the biggest viewership. 
And you got one side, Igor's side saying, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing, mate? You got This is a humongous opportunity here and you have access to do it. Reach out to Devin. I'm sure you can put this together. So mm. to, to sort of restrict that. I can I can I can say for you guys that 100% I'm aware that there are active negotiations going on between Igor, Devin, and Levan. So cool. that's a daily combat exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. Who would you pick me in that, Matt? Uh it's six months ago. Absolutely, Levan. Mm -hmm. Levan was simply too big, too strong. As technical and as resilient as Devin was, I didn't think he had enough power to get into the match against the line. Um, the Devon we saw defeat Michael Todd <sighs> was a very, very, very different Devon. I think that that Devon is ready for a match with Levan. I think he is strong enough to get into the match. He's going to be resilient enough to get a stop. And I think if he does get a stop, he wins it. Um, I actually would have Devon Larratt winning that match right now. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I want to see it. I just want to <laughs> see it. <laughs> How do you think Michael Todd would have gone against um, Levan? I still think he's a he's a shot. Like he's he's one of the he's got one of those awkward styles and strength that is just difficult. Um, I, I do think Levan is the favourite to win it, but I I don't think that that Michael's out of the conversation. Levan has never pulled the king's move of that degree. Mm -hmm. um, Devin is Devin has the perfect set of tools to counter Michael Todd. Um, Levan doesn't have that same set of tools. Levan is much more rigid in his movement. He's power based as opposed to the depth and control. Like Devin can bend his wrist so far. He can get so far and out his shoulder. He he can he can over rotate you. Where where Levan he can't do any of that. He just has to power through you. And if Michael's pronation survives, um, then Levan is in trouble against Michael. Mm. So do you do you see the um, the relevance and um, and maybe even the power of these uh, governing bodies or these associations fading as uh, people do turn to YouTube? Uh, yeah. I I think that I think that they all need to evolve really quickly. Um, they need to be aware that, like, I think the WAL has done that. You, you'll see that their banner was on the King of the Table event. Yeah, they co-promoted it, even though they're not doing anything. Which was to me, that's a that's a wise decision. Where Igor resisted it and fought back and said no, and then tried to build up the whole thing. Yeah. So for me, the tide is rising, and at the moment, the PAL is still anchored down here. And if they if they don't untie that damn anchor soon, they're gonna they're gonna drown. Yeah. So I think that. They need to evolve, and I think they will. I think that people will see that, and I expect the top eight series to happen this year. I expect Levan to pull Dave Chafee next, but I think once that's concluded, before this year's out, we're going to get Levan and do it. Hmm. And it will probably be under the PAL. If I had to bet where it was going to be, I'm going to guess it will be under the PAL because let's face it, PAL has great professionalism in their events. They hmm. look amazing. I do. They're Look top notch, and Devon, Devon will I think be very satisfied to travel into the Lions Den and win. I think that sets his legacy up really well. Hmm. What a great story too! What oh, a great absolutely. story. Yeah, it's a East versus West thing, and um, yeah, the <laughs> league versus league. You know, which which league is going to come out on top in a way. I think that's why Igor is hesitant as well. He might have be, be worried that if he's if Levan loses, how how does that impact his side of things? His brand, exactly. Well, yeah. Heaven forbid, if Levan loses to Dave Chafee, then oh my goodness, it's going to oh destroy the uh, event there. <laughs> that would Dave actually Chafee, mess up a lot of things. Dave Chafee is a bad dude. Like he 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 may have enough to beat Levan. 
Yeah, absolutely. David's one of the few people that have just has pinned Dennis Saplinkov. Um, so anyone that can pin Dennis Saplinkov is a genuine threat to Levan. Like, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, and he may do that. And if that does uh, happen, that upsets the apple cart something serious. And uh, poor old Eagle is going to have to lick his wounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, just to um, highlight how strong Dave Chafee is, um, I remember sending you a video I um I, I had done a preacher curl and I think it was 60, 80, 80 kilos. I think it was 80 kilos. Um, nice. Right. Good and work, I, was, man. I was very, very happy. Sent it to That's you. more than me. Right. Just, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you wrote back, Dave Chafee does more than that with one arm <laughs> and sent a video of him doing reps. No, get, get out of here. Get with out of 85 here. kilos on a preacher curl. Like it was, one arm he was just casually. Over 80 kilograms on one arm. Yeah, absolutely. It's on YouTube still. How and, much and, meat does he eat? <laughs> yeah. He's up to three kilos a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, and my, my ego went. <laughs> so, yeah. I feel like I need to write this down, honestly. Like, okay, so I have to reach more than 80 kilograms with one arm. That's yeah, more 80, than my yeah. body weight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll be the best in the world. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 80 that I got was both arms, obviously, and re- and struggling bright red just got it. <laughs> yeah. And to see him doing it casually, I mean, he was putting some effort in, but it was four or five reps with yeah, 85, 90 kilos or something. And it was yeah. just, ah, that's the level they're at and that's the level I'm at. So, yeah. So what's been the impact of arm wrestling on your body over the last mm. 10 years? Oh, interesting question. My, my right arm doesn't straighten like my left. My left arm will go. Oh, yeah, that like one's that. all right. Your right arm stops there. Oh, no, that's weird. I feel like this is a medical assessment now. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, yeah. And is that, like, is that through injury or is that just, uh, no, that's just now. That's just, that's just repeated tension into the elbow, I think. And it's just the, the, the tightening of tendons and, and ligaments and maybe calcifications and joints as well. Um, but if you look at an arm wrestler like Devin Larratt, who's been going for 25, 30 years, uh, they can't straighten their arms at all. So I, I think that that's, that's one of the things. If you've ever been in your first six months of arm wrestling and then gone to try and throw a baseball or something like that, you'll realize, oh, my goodness. <laughs> 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 and, and so because you, you recently had all your, your measurements done because you, you recently got married and so you, you needed to get some suits. So, and, and so you, you'd notice some variances there in some of the, yeah, the that, key that measurements. Was, that was actually so, so fortunate. I was really excited that. The tailor that I used when I was a real estate agent uh, some five years ago happened to be the tailor that I went to to get my suit for the wedding. Wow. And he had all my measurements, my wrist, my forearm. <laughs> like, like he had everything. And I'm just like, this is absolute gold. I can't believe I can see it. And I, every, everything, everything. Uh, I've gone up like uh, almost two inches in my wrist. Wow. Um, two, two, two inches in your wrist. So, w- w- what was your wrist before? And what, 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 what yeah, how big now? does my wrist need to be to be a but, good arm wrestler? Put, yeah. put, put your, can you put your wrist up to the to the camera again? Like if you if you turn turn it around. So I'll, I'll put it put it in this context, like uh, for for anybody watching uh, at home, uh, like I, I've got a pretty big wrist, like I've got pretty I've got sixteen inch forearms, it's, it's pretty big. But when I put my hand next to yours, it was like the difference between 
I don't know, me and my dad, but when I was like seven, like there was, a, there's, it's a, it's a different type of thickness there. So, so when you were human, when you were normal, what, what were your measurements in your wrist? Uh, well, I now measure eight point seven. I was essentially a seven inch wrist. Seven inch wrist. That's incredible. That's. And, I mean, I think Levan, Levan is a ten inch wrist. Wow. So room. one more inch, and then you'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> and and so uh, and and forearms, uh, My for- and, and forearms, boss- uh, like straight forearms like that. I think uh, from memory, I'm like fifteen and a half. Yeah. If I if I can't be like this, it goes to like sixteen and a half. Incredible. Uh, so, uh, but Lock- Lachlan Adair, just to talk about him again, he's he's got like like. 18-inch forearms. Yeah. <laughs> His arms are ridiculous. That's, that's I, insane. I remember seeing wow. one of the photos that he put up. Um, I think he was doing this pose, or, and and this arm was as big as the rest of his buy and try. It was just like, oh, my God. I, I was in the gym. I had to show everyone that was there. <laughs> Even though I didn't know them. I'm like, you got to see this one. <laughs> yeah, just walking up to random people. <laughs> one of the things with, with a lot of people is that they, they, they think uh, arm wrestlers have – Big biceps. Now, a lot of arm wrestlers, uh, elite arm wrestlers, do have big biceps, but it's it's not really the bicep size. So, is it? I, like- I, get, I get a lot of I get a lot of messages on Facebook Messenger <laughs> from people that uh, are new to the sport, and particularly out of India, I get a lot of messages. So do I, funnily enough. <laughs> different, <laughs> different, <laughs> different sort of messages, I'm sure. <laughs> One of the most common messages I get is, is biceps good for arm wrestling? Biceps. I don't even open a can of worms to answer them, but but the answer is biceps are very low down the chain of mm. relevance in terms of what's the most critical strength. Yes, having good bicep strength is definitely... A contributing factor, but but everything from fingers uh, are so much more critical. Fingers, wrist, the side of the hand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Very impressive, Brian. <laughs> it's just like that, though. You know, it's, a, it's, it's the right and the left. Because I remember you saying you only do about five percent of your training on left. Is it significantly wow, a size difference? Yeah, well, you know, this is this is truly interesting. I'll see if I can get the perspective on this. So. Get a ruler out. <laughs> but, um, my my left and right. Let me just get it. If I put so, oh, let's go a bit further. Give me a second. That's okay. We've always got time for Matt to do a double bicep. So there we go. Okay, good, good. Matt. Yeah, no, That's how I walk yeah. around now. Yeah. <laughs> wow, oh, your right yeah. arm looks yeah, yeah. significantly larger than your left. Wow. But, and also, my, my right arm is actually longer from elbow to fingertip. Uh, oh. I don't see. Yeah, right. Right. oh, yeah. And, um, and was that always the case? Or was arm wrestling stretched your arm? Yeah, I was like, wondering that. I was genuinely. <laughs> it was definitely not the case. My right arm is bigger in every respect. It's longer, it's thicker. Um, and that's that really shows the effect of the sport. Because, like I said, I've, it's been eight years of me training exclusively, right? Um, so your and arm actually got longer. My wedding ring Incredible. So, I mean, you you you're deformed now. 
When Devin not like holds his arm out, you you he can only get it to maybe there. And mm. he when he walks, it sort of looks a little silverback, you know, gorilla. Yeah. Style. You could show a silhouette of Devin, you would know. You would know if it's the Yeti. It's just incredible. Your your body changes though. Your body does evolve for your sport. It's funny because us, where my arms got a bit longer from canoeing as well, like. My mm. arms are longer uh, than my height. They always were, but I felt they got a bit longer myself. So I don't think I've got, or maybe I will be able to find the measurements, but that's crazy because there's a massive difference for those who are listening and not seeing. Mm. Ryan's right arm is definitely like mm. different in length and, yeah, obviously size in general. So that's what, amazing. What about with uh, boxing? Devin, in, in, Devin Laird's example. Maybe it's the boxing. No, no, Devin, yeah, I mean. Devin is about six foot. Six foot six, maybe even approaching six foot seven. Mm-hmm. In height. Devin Larratt um, has told me when he was a kid, he had a seven foot one wingspan. Oh, wingspan. wow. And now he foot. said it's a wingspan. <laughs> <laughs> he's come back to six he's That's quite funny. If you watch, the two for me that actually look the funniest, like if you had, if I was. If I was a Hollywood director and producer and I was making a zombie movie, I cast Devin Larratt as the main zombie and I think <laughs> the, the other zombie. <laughs> they, they, both, they both walk around with their arms like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just have that look that like they just look like zombies, real life zombies to me, but Devin Suplankov. Um, Devin Suplankov? Uh, oh, sorry, Dennis Suplankov. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm getting the troll army yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> You'll probably love that. He's yeah, always he finally got a the shout first out. commenter on any of my videos, Devin Suplankov. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Dennis Suplankov um, uh, has the world record for strict curl, um, 113 kilos. Mm. So uh, standing against a wall, you know, you get the barbell and you have to wait for the referee to say go and then lift it straight up. Um, oh unbelievably gosh. strong. And there's so many videos of him doing you know, 140 kilo curls, you know, for reps in the gym. Uh, absolutely one of the strongest guys in the world. He went against Devin a couple of years ago on left arm, destroyed Devin 6-0. It was just... It was a different Devin to um, what we saw. Absolutely. Just a couple of yeah, weeks ago, though. Yeah, unfortunately, he's uh, on the comeback trail. He had a bit of uh, some health issues, but we'll mm. see how he goes. But, yeah. And for, and for those that are that are listening or watching from home, just go to YouTube quickly and go uh, Dennis Saplenkov versus Walnuts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, very interesting video if you want to see finger strength. And and De- Dennis Saplenkov breaks a chain. There's there's a video where he, he gets a, a, a chain, ties it around his foot, and and the other part around his wrist and, and pulls it up in a bicep curl and snaps the chain. It's <laughs> just ridiculously strong. Wow. Yeah. There, there's that uh, talk in um, arm wrestling circles that it, it basically, you, if you're going to start arm wrestling, then be prepared to have a toothache in your arm for oh. at least two years. Uh, how long did the toothache last for you? You yeah, have teeth in that. your arms? I think the toothache way is definitely a good way of explaining it. I, I use that terminology as well. It feels like that for sure. It radiates from the brachialis all the way up to the shoulder and all the way down to your, your hand and wrist. I remember training uh, in my first months where I couldn't pick up a cup of coffee. I had to drink my coffee to drop. The cash register, and I just, I just can't pick it up. Like this, 
Um, I was so good. Somebody <laughs> with the pain of it. Uh, so, <laughs> and it, a toothache, it's like that. It's like a big giant toothache in your entire arm. And it's, it really is. But, um, but if you train uh, efficiently and intelligently and you use some relative perceived effort, you don't like the most kind of pins and money. You'll probably be fine, but most people are going to try to get as hard as they can. And are you injury free at the moment? I was going to ask, yeah. Um, in, in serious injuries, I say yes. I have a lot of overuse sort of niggles and, and problems that I deal with. My shoulders um, have been the worst thing that I've had happen to me. On my right shoulder, I was considering getting surgery uh, about months ago. Um, my surgeon looked at all the scans and said we could, but you don't necessarily need to. Uh, Better off just approach. I've done that. My my shoulders back to sort of 80, 85% health, I would say, on my right. Funnily enough, my left, which I barely ever use, is actually rubbish right now. So I don't I don't really understand why, because I don't use it. Um, <laughs> um, but other hand and wrist and elbow, yeah, in really good shape. So I just say with uh, the the injury pain and not being able to lift your arm, um, <laughs> one of my guys, uh, Richard, uh, hands of stone. Yes. Um, <laughs> he had a, like a three hour session with Tim, maybe six months into his training, and his arms were so sore. He drove home, and then he he couldn't open the door <laughs> <laughs> to the car. It was it was hurting. He couldn't do the handle, and so he's oh honk, he's honking the horn <laughs> for his wife. <laughs> to come out and she's at the window going what what do you want and she's like come out and open the door and she's like what oh my gosh great oh wow so Ryan uh, tell us what the what the future is uh, for what what the future is for you over the next six or so months and uh, and then um, you know what what's the what's the future for arm wrestling do you think over the next year or two as this whole uh, influencer athlete thing blows up as these new promotions start to take hold and as new audiences flock to arm wrestling. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, for, for me, the next six months is all about hunting a few super heavy. Um, uh, hopefully, I get co- confirmed the match with Schoolboy. Um, that will that'll be a huge opportunity for me as an athlete and as a, as a brand on YouTube. I mean, mm. he is the biggest arm wrestling channel in the world. Yeah. Um, so- if I could steal his little little soul for a moment and just crush it. <laughs> you know. How do you his think it's going? Com- you're pretty confident with that match? I, I think that I have a great training partner in Jordan Davis to be able to prepare for him. He uses a very similar strategy and style. I'd expect Schoolboy to be stronger than Jordan. So I'd want to be crushing Jordan um, in the practice table before that match. And, and but I think from a technical standpoint, because I've got someone as good as and as talented as Jordan to help me prepare, I'll be really tough when I get the match. And I think Schoolboy would be surprised if I can set if I can get that match into a hook. It's over, I will crush him. Yeah, he'd not be able to move me in a hook. I'm certain of it. And I say that because I've I've watched footage of him. I've studied him, and he he, he hates being forced into a hook. He really feels uncomfortable. Um, if, if if I'm unable to get him into the hook, it's side pressure. It's like what I did against Ryan Scott in round four. Ryan Scott busted my wrist back, and as strong as Ryan Scott was, that didn't matter. I just said, okay, I can I can absorb that and just drive through center with with side pressure. So I would be ready to do that against Schoolboy too if I had to, and I think that would be entertaining. If the match goes like that, that'd be awesome. I'd actually love to. And, and to uh, what what extent are you going to address the the weight discrepancy? Because it, it was pretty substantial. Honest, it, doesn't, 
doesn't bother me. I mean, he's two sixty-six pounds. What is that? Like one fifteen, one no one one twenty kilos. One twenty, one twenty-five. Yeah. yeah. So I, I will get. You just can't rule out him putting on weight as well. Mm. He's a he's a okay. big big guy. If he follows the Devon Larratt uh, pancake syrup diet, and he'll probably mm. get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that Schoolboy would take this match incredibly seriously because he would be at risk of losing a lot for me to lose in this situation. He would know that, so he would. He would probably come in at two eighty pounds or something like that. I don't know wow. because it, we, I will, I will agree to the match on those terms. I'm, I know that he won't cut weight for me, so I'll be like, "Yeah, you'd be as big as heavy." So will I. Hmm. Um, so I will. It's hence I'm starting on this damn meat. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the do you, do you think with uh, Schoolboy and Larry that that Schoolboy sort of um, allowed Larry into the match a little bit? Uh, or, oh, for sure. For sure, there was. There was there was definitely moments where where schoolboy didn't uh, put the sword uh, to Larry like he could have, and we, we saw one round where he did fully just launch and flash pin him and just took away everything from Larry in the quarters. Um, so, uh, but that, that's uh, that's fine. Uh, Larry, it's very difficult to compete in, uh, at that level if your first ever match. Sure. Literally, you remember back to your, all of our first ever matches. I'm sure we sucked, and and Larry, Larry did as well. I did in my last one. That's it. <laughs> Larry's got a long way to go in terms of just the familiarity of starts. I mean, he's got the fundamental strength, but Schoolboy definitely let him in. I would love to show Larry how to beat Schoolboy. I think I could do it. Danny Tesh once did it. I don't know if you're aware of that. Mm-hmm. Danny Tesh the boy into Hong Kong uh, Arnold's and uh, quite handily. Is, is Danny- that was a younger version. That was a younger, smaller version of Schoolboy. I think he was only 18 at the time. So mm. he's now or something like that. Danny definitely retired. Um, I would never say never with Danny. He's one of those guys that I think he could come back and be relevant within 12 months of being back. So, um, famous story for me about Danny Tesh was when I was about eight months into my Toddzilla side pressure training. Really proud of where my side pressure was at. I got an opportunity to train with Danny in the gym. I, sh- I demonstrated my 1RM to him, and it was red line. It was proper 1RM, and then he picked up those 10 reps. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's insane. <laughs> so uh, what's coming up for the channel? Uh, the, the, the channel going ahead, I mean, I, I'm really enjoying my breakdown series at the moment. I, I love I love commentating on uh, um, great matches and giving my technical view of it. I, I obviously love arm wrestling, so I will I will hopefully pull Matsawa Rangi head to Morris. I think we're probably my next super match from there. Uh, kicking the table too, hope. And if not that, Zlotyter. And if not that, um, over the top two here in Australia will be. And so that's that's for me. And then for globally, it's it's. it's I think the the continuation of the expansion of individual brand athletes and um, individual athlete brands. Sorry, I think that, that's going like to be really impactful over the next couple of years. When once the, the money gets to the point where you can check out his website. Really so if people want to check Real out your YouTube channel, that's Ryan Blue Bowen. They can head straight over to his growing YouTube right now. And next video I drop will be a full vlog of today's thing. Excellent. Link me that one. I want to see that. Yeah, I'll follow your diet. Ryan, I'm going to follow your diet.
real and, uh, and pound real for pound people can jump onto www.poundforpound.com Thank you very much, Ryan Bowen, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for joining us, and and we'll look forward to seeing what the future holds. No, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate being on the show. You guys are nailing it. This level of production quality is super impressive. It was a really enjoyable chat, so thank you very much. Yeah. I'm so, so Ryan, fucking uh... inspired by that guy. Oh, fuck it, guys. All right, you're going to make me a pro arm wrestler. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>